the doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 7, Episode 3, Chapter 120, Sex Education. After a lesson in sex education leaves the gang more confused than ever, Veronica decides to organize a makeout party at the Pembroke. Elsewhere, Jughead attempts to help Ethel out of some trouble, only to find himself in hot water as well. This was an utterly uneventful episode of Riverdale. It was much to do about nothing. Man, they... They angled hard on some things in that trailer. So on first watch, I was like, okay, so you made it all about like sex, sex, sex. And I was like, it's really not, which is fine. But I do think there are some things in here that stood out to me more when I watched it the second time. And I have to say it now because I feel like an idiot um, for not seeing this last episode but I'm going to revise my potential musical picks and that the music, one of the musical options that is very heavily favored based on what they're doing here in the 50s is Grease. Yeah. Like, I know we've thrown it out as like, you know, um, R.A.S. really likes to do the more subversive, unknown musicals, which is which Heather's worked great. Um, Grease was it's just such an obvious it's one so many people do in high school. It's all about sex. And it's like. Yeah, that one makes so much sense, especially with all of the signaling towards that they're currently doing. And they're they're in 1955. It would be so easy. Um, Yeah, I I think I still would rather it be like Rocky Horror Picture Show. But if they do Grease, I'm not going to be mad. I mean, whatever. I there just wasn't that much going on here, though. There's occasional side glances and things going on that could point to. And other I, things. I think that's the issue. I think it's the side eyes and the missed things that are more important than like the actual meat, which I don't necessarily have a problem with from a storytelling perspective because it's very much misdirection. Yeah. Well, it's there's also like it's that there are reactions from characters mm-hmm. that seem very out of place for what's going on in the moment. Well, it is a different world. I don't know. But also, it, it, it also plays to the fact that, well, we're just going to have fun in 1955 for a little mm-hmm. while, which I can't be mad at either. Yeah. So we start this episode with Ethel. She is sitting in her blood-soaked dress. Um, we find out that her parents have been killed. Uh, they're at the sheriff's office, and Jughead, Betty, Kevin, and Alice are there. And when Ethel comes out, they find out that... She says the milkman called him and they're like, wait, what? Like he's a bajillion years old. And they're like, well, someone it's at least someone who looks like him. And so Jughead's like, are you going to bring him in for questioning? Tom is just like, it's late and Willie can use his rest. So we'll talk to him tomorrow after he's done with his morning deliveries, which is so small town 50s. It's like, you know, potential murder suspect. Nah, we'll just wait. Well, they're they're laid it on real thick early that it's like, yeah, we don't think he did it. We're pretty sure Ethel had something to do with this. Sure. That's cool. So that's the current theory is Ethel did it. But she's I, claiming Milkman. I can't be too dissuaded on that. Like, it's a pretty obvious point. Sure. Sure. When they um, first start looking into this. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like the spa- someone, someone in the house is most likely to have done it. Fair. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to later. We're at the Cooper house and Alice is talking with Hal. And Alice has off screen agreed to let Ethel stay with them. And Hal is very worried about this. You know, how do you think this will affect Betty? And Alice, very sternly in that very classic Alice way, says, That is all I ever think about. It's the well being of this family, which is more than I can say for you. Mm hmm. Which shuts him up real good. So I feel like this is one of those moments that's signaling to Hal, which we know in our timeline is a serial killer. Mm -hmm. We don't know if maybe this is when we know Hal is beginning his serial killer shit. Maybe he's a milkman killer, uh, which is referenced later. So this is one of those moments that, you know, if you're just if you're not paying a lot of attention, you wouldn't necessarily think because yeah. it's also phrased very much in the Alice is a martyr for everything way. So I like it. I like it signaling towards our timeline version of how. Cool. Yeah. I 
I feel pretty confident that the storylines for this season are following season one. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to be matching up, with the caveat that they're also twisting and playing with them for 1955. The question is when it's going to start flipping around and getting weird. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the interesting thing is the first season was 13 episodes. Yes. So maybe that's how this happens is that we're flipping it. We're playing with those tropes. And then on that 13th episode, it was like, okay, everything you thought about what's going on is completely different. <laughs> well, or maybe that's 13th episode is when we're going to get to the apex where we have to switch back or everything like, converges. And now everyone in this timeline actually remembers our timeline. Cool. Right. I'm fine with all that. But yes, it is a ton of signaling towards season one, which is great. It's also not a dumb way to tell people who have casually watched, go back and watch season one. Season one was top notch. It was a it was a good it was epi- fun. Yeah. It was fun. It was dumb, but we never doubted that it was going to be like the smartest thing on TV. Well, we it it, it was fun. It was do it, it. It had a brief and it was following it. We cut to upstairs. Um, Betty is, you know, laying out some towels for Ethel and just being like, okay, we're going to set you up in my sister's old room. So Polly exists in this world. We don't know how or where she is, but Betty starts asking her Betty Drew questions here. She's like, you know, is there anyone who saw you before you went back to your house? Anyone who could have an alibi? And that is such an unusual question for this Betty. This Betty is, of course, super smart, girl next door, editor of the newspaper. But this Betty isn't a detective. Yeah. But but here she is. There's those questions. Interesting. Peeks back to that moment where she's looking at the the Emmett Till pictures and there's the little haunting music behind Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So it's almost like, okay, here, this is a little bit of a ripple. We cut on over to Jughead. He's sitting in his train car. He's petting hot dog, which I really do love this Jughead having a dog. So good. It's, it's so funny. And he's talking. Uh, he, it's just, it's just, it's only voice over here. But there's something about the story Ethel told him that feels familiar. And he doesn't know why. And as we're watching him, you know, he's doing his thing. We pan over to a pile of comics and the top one is the pit of the perverse. <laughs> we come on over to Thornhill and Penelope walks in and she sees a cheeky photo uh, painting that Cheryl is working on with a reference photo. And it's, it's a girl soaping up and, you know, the soap is going to be covering her breasts. and. This just is not cool to Penelope. And then we cut to Cheryl delicately deseeding a papaya. <laughs> Could they not be more obvious? It's so obvious. And this <laughs> I actually find kind of hilarious. Oh, this whole storyline's very funny. <laughs> it it's it's just it's, it's bad, so funny, but it's of funny. How absurd it is. Um, And it only works because they're in the 50s and because all of them are playing it for the absurdity. Yeah. (laughs) If they weren't doing that, I would be so much more annoyed with this. So anyways, um, Penelope is just like, you got to get yourself a man. I think you're getting some unnatural proclivities. Cheryl gets pissed off because they're in her business and runs away. And so Penelope tells Julian, get on that. You need to find her a suitable guy like come on now and julian's like all right fine the song choices as per usual are fantastic the devil is a woman with red hair (laughs) yes if ever there was something about the blossom woman that's it oh penelope (laughs) Penelope, her chaotic nature is hilarious uh we cut to veronica going up to talk to archie and she's asking archie like what do you know about ethel and he's like meh she just kind of keeps to herself and Veronica's just like, okay, I'm sorry we got off on the wrong foot. Can we try again? And Archie just says, I appreciate the apology, but I don't think we're a good match. You're too much for a guy like me, which I kind of love. Yeah. Kind of love. Um, She played her hand poorly with him. And he's just like, I'm not into you anymore. Or like, I, it's not worth it. Not worth yep. it for me, which also valid. We cut on over to the principal's office and it's Principal Featherhead, Dr. Werther's and Miss Bell. And they're talking about how they're going to deal with this situation with the Muggs family tragedy. And the principal's like, I think the most prudent 
course of action is to carry on with this week's proposed lessons. And they're like, yep, sure. What's on the docket? Miss Bell's like, oh, the juniors are supposed to have their PTA approved sexual education lecture, but we could postpone it. And Werther's is like, absolutely not. I will give the lecture myself. And they're like, okay, this sounds amazing. And I'm just like, feel I'm dying inside because I just know what's coming. I just know what the bullshit this is going to be. Back to my theory of mm-hmm. the grown-ups, and specifically these two are not human in some way. Mm-hmm. Their reactions are weird. I mean, real off. Miss Bell, I think, is not. Because mm-hmm. she's the one who suggests we could postpone, and then it's like, ugh, whatever. But the way these two guys talk about stuff. No, this is men in power. It doesn't it it they're they're creepy to begin with. That's what they're how they're supposed to read. But I don't think their reactions are overblown. Mm. It doesn't feel that way. I don't know. <laughs> this like to me, honestly, she's like dudes who are in power. That's all this is. I mean, this is the same sadistic fuck who, you know, created a high school boxing ring. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, for, I forget the lengths of depravity that these other dudes went to in the real world. Yeah, the one guy was like the mayor guy who had his boxing ring, and the other guy was the leader of the weird book cult where he stole from his students. Book murder cult? Book murder cult, yeah. Book murder cult, warden of a prison fight club for children. We go over to the boys' bathroom, and Julian comes in to talk to Archie. And he's just like, you know, hey, tough luck about that, Veronica. You know, she runs hot and cold. But, you know, you should you should talk to Cheryl. She's available. And Archie's like, eh, no thanks. He's like, wait, you don't think my sister's a honey? Which is just weird. It's just weird. <sighs> and Archie's like, no, 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 she's gorgeous, but she's a little standoffish. And I've never seen her with a steady boyfriend. And Julian is just like, oh, no, 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 college guys. And you know what they say about older men? And, and Archie's just like, KJ's doing the best dumb innocent boy face ever it's so precious like no what it's like like what oh they're more open-minded if you catch my drift <laughs> but you take share out you're made in the shade daddy-o uh, at least think about it and archie just gets the smirk on his face that is just oh i might get laid it's so hilarious he's like two plus two equals four everyone is out to use him <laughs> i love it i love it so much Riverdale. Uh, We cut to the front of the school and, you know, we see the collection of motorcycles and Tony calls for Cheryl as Cheryl's walking by. It's like, hey, you know, you didn't uh, hang out after my performance in the darkroom. I I thought I had a feeling it would razz your berries. Way to be subtle. It's it's the 50s, though. I know. I got to I got to say. While it is so on the nose and stupid, these are actual 50s phrases. Like, they did do the research on that end. I know, but it's just, come on. And (laughs) Cheryl's just like, "Uh, mark me down as a no thank you. Ta-ta. And then we hear someone blowing raspberries. And apparently this person's name is Lizzo. Uh. (laughs) Which is kind of funny because you know it's the play on Rizzo. But also... We have the megastar Lizzo, who is the shit. Um, anyway, she's giving Tony shit because she knows she's going after her. And she's like, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. And Topaz is like, nope, I, I, I'm playing this long game. And uh, you can tell that they clearly have a history. A history that perhaps might just be this chick has hit on her forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we cut to we see Kevin. He's in the hallway and he sees Betty. And he runs the other way. <laughs> he goes to the music room and Clay is there. And Clay actually is like, you look like you are avoiding someone. And Kevin's like, no, too, too much high point. Clay invites him to the dark room. And Kevin's like, oh, well, I, I was going to go see the seven-year itch with Betty. And Clay's like, mm, I think she might like this more. Some of us hepcats. Hepcats. <laughs> seven-year itch reference is very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut on over to the art room. Cheryl's painting the boobs. And Archie comes in and asks her if she wants to see the seven-year itch at the Babylonium. So here, the Babylonium exists, but it's the movie house instead of the Bijou, which was previously established as the, you know, art house place. And she's just like, I already saw it. 
and I think it's overrated. She goes, but uh, there's an event at the dark room that we could go, you know, poetry reading. And Archie's like, he starts talking about like, oh, you know, I've actually started uh, writing some poetry myself. How peachy keen for you. Pick me up at seven. Uh, so funny. Very funny. Uh, we see Julian ask out Veronica. He He's kind of like, oh, you know, let's go see this movie. And she's like, drop dead. And he goes, oh, well, you know, Andrews is going out with Cheryl at the dark room. And basically he just manipulates her into wanting to go see the whole beatnik scene. I, yes and no. She also, she clearly mm-hmm. <laughs> does not give a shit about him. So there's this other side of it. It's like, he's manipulating her. But also she's just like, fuck it, I'm going after Archie. <laughs> yeah, I can I can use that too. Um, we cut on over to the sheriff's office. We see Tom walking, who we assume is Willie, because it's a guy in a milkman uh uniform. Yep. And as he turns the corner, we see Jughead, he's been looking. And so he goes into the office and Ethel's in there. And Ethel's like, it wasn't the milkman, at least not that one, but the one who killed my parents was dressed like one. And Ethel is freaked out because she has drawn a cover that she refers to as remember the meat grinder cover and jug is like oh yeah it was super boss and he goes no 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 uh it looks like it. and then like we get jughead flashing back to her showing it to him and it the girl who's putting the people in the meat grinders looks like ethel and the two people in the meat grinder t- kind of look like her parents so it's not great <laughs> uh and jug's like okay i'll go get it she's like okay it's in my hope chest okay cool uh so they're gonna go get it because they don't want sheriff keller to see it and think something he doesn't need to be thinking because as ethel says i was just mad at them (sighs) i mean there's there's a lot going on with those drawings yes yes like for real (laughs) yeah it's i i i assume ethel did not actually kill anyone here Mm -hmm. but oofa doofa they're, well, I mean, they're trying to make it look like it, it's just too implausible for you to have not been the killer. There. Again, misdirection. We cut on over to the Cooper house and Betty comes down the stairs. And Alice is like, where do you think you're going? She goes, oh, me and Kevin are going to that poetry reading. And Alice is like, absolutely not until you go to Ethel's house and bring back that girl another change of clothes or two. And Betty's just like, okay. <laughs> so we see Jughead go into ethel's house and he you know gets in he opens the hope chest and he finds a bunch of drawings and he finds that particular one and then when he's looking in there he sees the same comic the pit of peril that we saw in his train car and so then he hears a car and sees lights and goes ah the cops and Mm -hmm. he jumps out the window but then who enters is betty and she's there to get the clothes for ethel and so she opens a drawer and she's getting some stuff. And then she finds the copy of Kinsey's book on human sexuality. Kingsley. Uh-huh. King- yeah, it's Kingsley instead of Kinsey. And the interesting thing about, see, this is one of those scenes that it's it's very much, if you're not paying attention, you may not think much of it. It was like, remember who used to do all the sleuthing? It was Betty and Jughead. And here they just simply missed each other. Jughead's doing that same sleuthy stuff. He broke in somewhere. Betty's also doing the Snoopy thing, but it's all benevolent snooping, and she happens to find something that she takes. You cannot take away the true natures of these people. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how much can you allow it to happen before the timeline gets ruined? Well, yes, but like here is the opportunity for them to start doing these things. So, and they were both doing them at the same time; they just happened to miss each other. Um, so that that I found interesting on upon second watch. What um, if Angel Tabitha really is an Angel Tabitha? That would be interesting. Um, we hear Jughead um, do a little more narration, and he hides the drawing under his mattress, and he realizes that that comic, The Pit of Peril, was about a milkman, a, a killer who would dress like a milkman, and of course that was familiar because literally everyone read it hmm. hmm so we go to the dark room and clay is doing a spoken word that is of no um 
significance. <laughs> oh, this poem is one of the worst things I've ever heard. And but what's so funny is everyone's reaction to it. Kevin is enraptured by this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as soon as Clay's done, you know, he starts to clap, but then it's like, oh no, you're supposed to snap. And then Archie's confused. He's like, it didn't even rhyme. To which <laughs> n- right next to Archie and Cheryl is Veronica and Julian. And Veronica's is like, you know, not not all poems have to rhyme. And then Julian's like, hey, here's this will make this more interesting. Hands her a flask. Which she turns down. Which she turns down. Then Tony comes out and does the serpent dance. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. It took like I was like, wait a minute. Is that what I think it is? Yes, it's the serpent dance. Of course it is. Which is great. Cool. It's very sexy. And Cheryl is completely locked into this. It's very much done in the style of American beauty. Um, we, you know, we get a close-up of her eyes. It's just her. And then as soon as it's done, Cheryl asks to leave. Take me home now. Take me home now. And here's where here's where something interesting happens is that Tony, every time one of these things happens, smirks. Mm-hmm. She's not like, what the hell? Or re- No, she acts like, I know what's going on, smirks. Yeah, Tony knows she's getting to her, which is another thing that I don't love because there's an element to this that is Cheryl doesn't want to face this she doesn't feel like she can she doesn't have a safe place to deal with this there valid tony can sense that in her but is not offering her a safe place to be open to figure out these feelings no i'm just gonna seduce you until you explode except that i think tony is outside of the timeline i don't think so i don't think tony's outside the timeline like we've mentioned like how i thought fangs was a glitch Mm, i think she might be i don't know i'd have to see some more things happening i could also see a situation where different people based on how different they are from our timeline version of them is how much quicker or how much faster they're gonna get to figuring it out so like tony may not be entirely in this world may not be that different from our timeline so she might be like her figuring things out might be accelerated as opposed to like archie or veronica for me though it was that it wasn't that she did this reaction this one time it's that Mm -hmm. she did it every single time and not just to cheryl i just I don't know. I think they're trying to paint her out as being bold, but I'm like, there's something here that's just really indelicate and I don't like it because they're doing that with a lot of people, but they're not handling their gaze with care and they never really have, but this is a place to be way more delicate and they're just not. Yeah. And I I can, I can agree with that for sure. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, this may be wishful thinking on my part. Mm hmm. But I don't know. There's something about that. And there's like sneaking suspicions of, like I said, almost that John Connor thing of or even, you know, that thing in the Matrix where there's somebody outside to try to wake them up. Yeah. And I feel like that might be coming or even the Scarlet or uh, the WandaVision thing of somebody from the outside going in, hiding in plain sight. I, I don't I don't know. Um. After that, we cut to uh, Cheryl walking towards her home and Archie's like trying to catch up to him. And he's like, you know, I had a, I had a real nice night tonight. And then Cheryl just kisses him. He's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And she's like, walk me to school tomorrow. It's a date. Toodles. And then Archie says, toodles, which is precious. And then she goes in. <laughs> then she goes in the door and then she cries. Which is, see, that's that's a moment that I think was really sweet and very telling. And we didn't need the other, we're not going to need the other stuff. Like, we already know what's happening. Why are we signaling so much more? It, like I said, uh, if they don't follow through on that thread, yeah, it's just garbage. It's if they're following through on other th- if they're following through on other threads, though, I feel like it, it will make sense later. Maybe. But I don't have a lot of hope for that. No, I don't trust them at all. Um, we cut to the stuff that is was super hyped in all of the commercials. Um, oh, Betty man. is reading under the covers the Kinsley uh, human sexuality, and she's on the chapter about arousal and fantasy. And so we see Tony dancing, and then we see 
people are kissing and we see the three couples. So we see Betty and Kevin, we see Archie and uh, Cheryl, and then we see Veronica and Julian. And so they're all kissing in chairs. And then we see Archie sleeping in his bed. And then we see that he is dreaming um, of kiss of the kissing. And then we move to Veronica and Veronica is dreaming. It's her and Archie. And then we see Cheryl is dreaming and she's dreaming it's her and Tony. And then we see Kevin and he's dreaming that it's him and Clay. And then we see Betty is sleeping. She's dreaming and she sees Archie from afar and she goes after him. We see a lot of Archie abs, a lot of beefcake Archie time. We haven't really truly had that in a while. And then she wakes up breathing very heavily. I just summed this all up with dream bone. Dream bones. Everybody's dreaming about boning. Cool. Also, the music on this is awful. Yeah, it's super It's so bad. We got to school and Kevin is chatting with Betty about just like, isn't Clay an astonishing writer? Let's point out that Betty is doing a lot of work on a lollipop. Oh, lollipop, yeah. Lollipop, lollipop, oh, lollipop. Oh, God, I forgot about that. I completely forgot about it, too, until I watched the second time. I was like, yep. Also, I say season one, but we're also pulling from like multiple seasons. So actually, I could see them just pulling references everywhere. Well, that's pulling that. The lollipop song comes more from season two. That's when the Black Hood shit really started. Cool. Fine. Valid. But like, this is hilarious. Oh. And then like, so as good. this is happening, Cheryl and Archie walk in hand in hand and... Betty is not pleased with this. Veronica is not pleased with this. But Julian is like, yes, done. (laughs) Then we cut to Dr. Werther giving the sex ed talk. The reproduction of plants. (laughs) Which can be summed up with the perfect reaction from our lovely himbo Archie when they go to the doghouse. Hey, I'm so confused. What do flowers and bees have to do with us? I love you, Archie. Love it. Love that Betty tells him, look, I got Kingsley Guide to Human Sexuality. That's got the real skinny, which it does. And Veronica is just like, look, you want to learn about SEX? She doesn't even say sex. Um, we have to start doing, it, which is compl- such a flawed logic. It's real. It's not good. It it's is not good. <laughs> horrible, horrible logic. Like the, this, this piece goes back to my frustration with, I think it was about season three where I was like, where is the safe sex talk? Where is the comment about I'm running out of condoms or I just started getting on the pill? Like, where is the safe sex conversation to be had if you're going to show teenagers having this much sex? This is irresponsible. So is this. It's not going to happen in 1955. I know it's not, but I can still be annoyed because (laughs) this is not going out in 1955. It's going out here in the year of our Lord Lizzo. In 2023. Come on. I guess I said that. You really did that, didn't you? I did, because I could. And it was fun. Um, She's going to have a makeout party. Woohoo! And I love Jughead's reaction. No thanks, but I'm a germaphobe. New Jughead is perfect. It's what I always wanted Jughead to be. I do. My only annoyance with it is that it's almost like they're trying to appease the people who are pissed off from season one that he wasn't, like, asexual Jughead. Yeah, it's, I know. It's just really, an, it's weird fan service at this point. A little bit. I, you know, I I wouldn't be opposed even if it winds up like he and Veronica have a moment and and there's some romance between them and this stuff. Maybe. For me, though, it just, it's so perfectly old comic joke. Yes. And I do love that where he's very much more focused on doing his own thing and eating hamburgers. I'm yes. fine with that. Um. Jughead has a narration after Veronica talks about the the games they're going to play. And he just, it, there's some great imagery they add in here. And he says, in that moment, before our very eyes, Veronica Lodge became a Georgia O'Keeffe Lotus and Archie Andrews a hapless bumblebee. I'm sorry, but that was, that was fabulous. Was it? It was real dumb to me. Oh, it's so dumb, but in the best way, because that's exactly what Archie turned into. And I love the Georgia O'Keeffe reference. Okay, it's great. Especially since we just learned about sex from flowers. <laughs> On the nose. Your eager, sweaty faces. Uh, we go over to the bathroom and... 
Betty and Veronica are talking and Cheryl is in the stall. And, oh. you know, they're just talking, you know, boys think they're in charge, but really it's about our pleasure. And Betty's like, well, I don't think me or Kevin are getting much pleasure. And Veronica says, look, uh, I did things the wrong way. Be direct. Um, and I am going to be, I learned my lesson the harder with Archie. And after this party, he's going to know exactly that I want him. To which Cheryl bursts out in a huff and leaves the bathroom. I mean, but fair. Yeah, no, fair. It's like you you just saw them like basically declare to the whole school that they're together. And now you say you're going to go after him. You get to be pissed about that because that's the yeah. shitty thing to do. Um, yeah. Which also is kind of what happened in season one, too. But it was the opposite. Cheryl was going to go after Archie, but Archie had, was just too dumbstruck over Veronica. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. Cheryl, you know, huffs her way outside and Tony asks her again about the performance and uh, she's like you know don't you didn't you know I'm, i don't know if you've heard but um me and archie are going steady and she goes oh yeah i saw you parade him around um <laughs> and and this is where she says you know you don't have to go to some makeout party to pretend to be somebody or not at which that was the line that if you didn't accompany it by any of the other stuff was good i was like this isn't you and i know why um, but to which Cheryl, you know, burns with a hot fury. Why exactly does everyone presume to know my personal life? You're worse than my hobgoblin mother. And that's saying a lot. And again, this is where it weirded me out that Tony smirked. She knows. Typic- she- now, I, it's the smirk is the knowing smirk that I'm on to her. I'm needling her down. I just. Okay. All right. I have my theory. I've stated my theory. I get your theory, but I think your theory is bullshit. I don't think she's outside the timeline. Okay. Kevin is in the music room and Betty comes in and she's like, hey, can we talk about that makeup party? And Kevin's like, absolutely. You know, we should ditch that. And she's like, oh, no, we're going. It's happening. You say you love me. It's time to prove it. And Kev- and she leaves. And Kevin just looks, well, fuck. Oh, no. It's the exact opposite of what he thought pinning her would do with which uh, Miss Cooper had assured him. Ruh-roh. Uh-oh. Let's see. We go to the principal's office, and Tom is there to ask Jughead some questions. He's like, did you break into Ethel Muggs' house yesterday? Uh, no, I was at home eating, uh, riding and eating some hamburgers. <laughs> and they're like, well, a neighbor said someone matching your description, wearing a crown, exiting a window. That wasn't me. And they're like, you're kind of an odd duck, a loner. And isn't Ethel your girlfriend? She's just a friend. But you're protecting her. Maybe you helped her do something bad. And Jug is like, it wasn't Ethel. I wasn't at Ethel's house and I'm not her boyfriend or an odd duck loner, whatever that means. In fact, I'm going to a party with all the cool kids. And Dr. Werther's just like, really? <laughs> and he just says, you know, uh, for the record, Ethel, the Ethel that I know would not kill her parents. So you're barking up the wrong tree. Can I go? And they're like, yeah, you're free to go. Enjoy your party. Very funny. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, geez. Now we go to the locker room and Kevin is getting ready to, I guess, go to gym. And Clay comes out in a towel. And... This one is actually, this one's a lot more subtle. And I think this is better. Kevin yeah. is like, hey, are you going to go to that makeout party? And Clay's like, mm, no. And Kevin's like, well, why not? Because, and he takes a really good pause. I like boys, Kevin. And I don't think it's that kind of party. And Kevin just kind of goes, that makes sense. And Clay continues with just, you know, a lot of people don't know that about me. And I hope I can trust you to be discreet. And Kevin just is kind of like, uh-huh. Uh huh. Of course. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> Number one, mm-hmm. there is the arousal music when sure. Kevin sees him in the um, towel. Sure, that's what it's played for. Fine Along with, with panning down the abs, just like we did with Archie. Sure. Number two, he slaps his peck on the way out. Yeah, I think that's a dude thing. It's dude with peck things. It's really not. It's just so delightfully awkward. Uh, you know, whatever. It's uh, so funny. But see, there's something about that that is just very more natural. Like, Clay has clocked something in Kevin. Kevin's not really aware of that, of what that means. 
And Clay's just like being very, not direct in a way of like, I'm hot for you, but like, this is the thing you should know about me. Yeah. No, no, no. It's really well done. Yes. I wish we had more of that between Tony and Cheryl. And I'm fine with it looking different because the situation is completely different, but it's handled with not even an ounce of the tact that they're doing with the Clay and Kevin. Yeah. They're not. And, and. I only there's a part of me that goes, well, thank goodness they're not writing Kevin as horribly because they've treated him like garbage this whole series. Um, But it just makes me mad because, again, all of our gay characters are used as trauma, trauma props. (sighs) So now let's go to more awkward sex shit. And we're over (laughs) in Betty's room. and It looks like Betty and Archie are studying. And Archie's like, hey, um, you know that book you mentioned? Um, Can I give it a read? I need to brush up before the party. And so she's like, yeah, sure. And so we cut to like, oh, so what did you think? And he goes, I mean, I get it. But like, how does it start? What a dumb boy. It's precious. This is so cute. I love so much of this because the innocence here is something we've never seen. I mean, remember season one, Archie was boning the teacher. So like he was already, he had already arrived sexually. So this is precious. This is adorable. And she's like, oh, that's the easy part. She's like, so, okay, so they're going to role play a date. And it continues to the point where, like, she is rubbing his leg just a little bit, and he gets an erection and takes her stuffed animal. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And it's just the awkwardness is so fun. It's so it's okay. fun. It's so good. Oh yeah. my god, it's hilarious. <sighs> so silly. Love it. Okay, it's time for the makeout party. We go to the Pembroke. Tony and Mitch, they are there along with Kevin, Fangs, Cheryl, Betty, Jughead, Veronica, Archie, and Julian. So we got a full house here, which it feels really weird that since Fangs and Midge weren't a part of this like confused storyline within the sex education talk, that they're now here at this party. It's just weird. <laughs> so they're going to play post office. The boys each got a letter that has a number in it and the girls will have a number so fangs he gets to kiss cheryl uh he kind of is annoying he's like don't worry preppy i washed my i brushed my teeth this week and so he goes to kiss her and she turns her cheek tony tries to call it out and veronica's like eh, it's uh it's skirting the rules a little bit you never kissed a greaser before i don't even eat french fries yeah it's, it's precious <laughs> Kevin is supposed to kiss Midge and he it's just like the most awkward thing until Midge basically grabs his face to kiss him. Stop moving around. Yeah. Uh, then Jughead has to kiss Betty, which ugh. Ugh, ugh, if no, you've been following ugh. any of the real life drama between these two people, this just feels disgusting. On the flip side, the joke is very good. The joke is very good. I, and they both played it that way. So props to them for getting that done. But... Again, this is one of those calling back to our timeline. In our timeline, they have a romantic past. They just do. It's, yeah, it's there. Well, the music mm-hmm. and they they linger and there's a lot going on there. Yeah, because I think what's going to happen is as they get closer to events that mirror our timeline, they're going to become more like our timeline versions of them. And that will start unlocking memories. I feel like that's going to happen. So here, this is going to be one of those moments that's going to unlock something between the relation of those two characters in this world. It's like a whole season, a quantum leap. Yeah. Why couldn't we have been doing this the whole time? Because that's actually interesting. Veronica and Archie kiss a lot. Veronica really goes for it. And Cheryl is it. Oh my god, Fangs, but like he's gonna suffocate him. Yeah. Uh B's what face. A way to go. I and it's so funny. And and Betty's face is just adorable because she's just like, oh man, I wanted it to be me. That and also like, oh my god. So then Tony, you know, Julian has to kiss Tony, and Tony is just like, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it. And so like she like goes for it with in terms of giving him a real kiss. And so then it's time for everyone to pair off and Cheryl just ups and grabs Archie. So that cuts off Veronica's legs mm-hmm. from her plan. And so then Veronica says, I'm going to take you. And Jughead's like, me? What? What? <laughs> Hilarious. Jughead's like, I, didn't, I don't want to be paired up with anybody. Mm-hmm. 
so she's and she makes a Holden Caulfield reference like you just hit the jackpot Holden Caulfield which fabulous reference cut over to the Cooper house and Milkman is playing and we see Ethel literally just go from the Cooper kitchen up the stairs doesn't say a word and Hal is watching this and he is concerned and Alice is don't say it I already called social services she goes home back to school tomorrow and he's just like, thank you, Alice. Of course, you're... He's the milkman. I think he's the milkman. But I could also see a world where Alice is more complicit involved in Hal's serial killing. And or it's Alice could be the serial killer. And Hal's just keeping it quiet. I'd be fine with that twist. But one of them is the milkman. Sure. We go back to the Pembroke and now we've got Veronica and Jughead in their own room. And Jughead's like, look, I don't know what you want to do to me, but I'm only here <laughs> because I don't want people thinking I'm a miscreant that helped Ethel murder her parents. To Veronica's like, that's exactly what a miscreant murderer would say. <laughs> and then she mentions that she just she's trying to stay away from Julian because he's an octopus. And Jughead's like, what was with that reference? And, you know, everybody's phony except me. No, it, and Jughead's like, no, no, not everyone goes around Riverdale name-dropping literary anti-heroes. To which Veronica's just like, people do read in Los Angeles, which <laughs> I, I love. That's such a thing for her. And that's something that our timeline, Veronica and Jughead do not interact with each other unless it was about Betty or Archie. Other than that, they don't talk. Yeah, it was very funny. Which isn't completely untrue in the comics, but I thought that was a place for them to have a different type of relationship where I would have really liked in, in our show, in our timeline, to see them have uh like just a mutual respect for like what are you like what you like to read, the movies, because Veronica is she's more educated in those places. Yeah, the only moment we got was the the kiss in the woods where they both looked at each other and were like, eh. <laughs> And like that wasn't even a thing because it wasn't about them, you know, connecting. It was about them just showing up the other two. Yeah. It was a missed opportunity. So they talk about monster movies. They both love uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, Jack says, oh, yeah, you remind me of the girl in the white bathing suit. And Veronica's like, Julie Adams. I get that a lot, which is cute. Like, I like no. I like the idea of them having a friendship. Yeah. In another room, it's Betty and Kevin. And she's finally just grabs Kevin and then like sits on him and she's like oh you're not excited he's like, of course I am no you're not so like she it's the, I love the inference of the lack of an erection and yeah. she's just like I can tell that you're not excited you're not aroused and, and Kevin's just like well maybe if we just kissing keep kissing you know and Betty no. is so frustrated oh uh, which valid valid for both parts very it's valid. so awkward. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. Archie and Cheryl are kissing in front of a fireplace, and Archie's like moving his hand up, and she's like, "No, not that high." And mm -hmm. you know, then he tries again, and they, he's trying to get closer. She goes, "As my nana says, let's leave room for the Holy Spirit." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, cool." And then you know, he his hand starts to travel, and she goes, "Oh, Archie, your hand." And he goes, "I'm sorry. I feel like I'm screwing this up. I'm just excited and also nervous because you're so experienced." And she looks confused. You know, you're used to going out with college guys. And she is just like pumping the brakes and just like, where did you hear that? And, you know, the whole Julian thing. And she's like, I've never been with a college guy. I've never actually been with any guy. But and then she pushes him down. She goes, I think we can figure it out. And he's like, yes, definitely. As she gets on top of him. Okay. I love this. This is hilarious. Oh, all of this is such sweet revenge it's great this is one of the few cheryl chaos moments that uh -huh. i'm totally here for yes like it's definitely we'll get to it a little bit later it's definitely an overcorrection on her part but completely understandable and in keeping with cheryl's nature but in either timeline this is like oh uh -huh, oh my brother painted me out to be a whore i'll show you a whore come on let's go <laughs> we're gonna figure this shit out Love it. Love it. Oh, Mumsy. I love her Mumsy. The chaos is, while traumatic, entertaining. We cut to Betty, and she is writing in her diary. And she is frustrated. Uh, <laughs> she writes, it was a disaster. I want Kevin to want me. I want to feel desired. I want to feel sexy. I want 
And she, so as she's writing this, to which my brain instantly goes to, Alice is totally going to be reading this later. This is not going to go well. Of course. She sees Archie out the window across the way, which call back S1E1. And this is also where I think we're going to get like this exploration of quote unquote dark Betty because the girl is fucking horny. So horny. Which valid. You cut on over to Thornhill and uh, it's breakfast time and Penelope's asking Julian for an update. And he goes, hey, I'm fairly certain that Archie and Cheryl are now going steady. And Penelope's like, good job, Julian. And then Cheryl walks in and she's got her hair pulled to one side. Cheryl, Marjorie, Blossom, what is that lesion on your neck? Oh, this is the hickey, mother. I suppose <laughs> you should both know that Archie pinned me. And I mean, really pinned me as in all the way pinned me. To which Julian just goes, barf, barf. <laughs> I appreciate that Penelope is the offended one. And Julian's like, ugh. I did not. I don't want to hear about this. I did my no. part. I did Ew. my part. Leave me alone. Right. But also, he does not give a shit about what his mom thinks. No, which is also <laughs> awesome. We hear a car honk. She says, oh, that must be Archie. He's driving me to school. I'd say he's a true gentleman. But the truth is, Archie is a total animal. Toodles! <laughs> so uh, we get to school and Betty just like very like assertively walks up to Kevin and thrusts the human sexuality book in his hand. The like, Kevin, I have something for you. And he is so amazing. Like, Betty works school. You need to read it. Think of this as your own personal sex education, Kevin. Finals are coming up and it's time to start cramming. And she walks away. Like, Betty, Betty. He's so freaked out by this. I love this. I, I, I really do appreciate that she decided to get really direct with him. You need to read this because shit's going to happen one way or another. Ah, <laughs> uh, word choice, cramming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Tony approaches Veronica and is just like, hey, sorry I left early, but, you know, I'm playing the long game. And to which Veronica's like, who? And I was like, uh, rather not say how to go with Bazooka Jones. <laughs> and she very, like, sneakily says, well, you know, we spent the entire night together talking and Tony's a little impressed with this. Are you making a play for that crown wearing clown? Which I love the crown and clown together. And Veronica's like, let's just say I'm not ruling it out. Aww. Which again, I just like the idea of them having a really good friendship. Like this would never work romantically, but we have a lot in common and we can actually be friends. Yeah. In the comics, they were, I mean, he was just everybody's friend. He was everybody's friend. Like, Veronica never sought out Jughead. But, you know, he was there to be nice to her. Like, you know, they're going to be hamburger friends. That's fine. It was that, and he would get involved in any kind of mess around with most of the different characters. Of course. He he was there to fill the fourth seat in the jalopy. It's true. We go back to the doghouse. Hey! hey! And uh, Jughead is, you know, walking Ethel in and everybody starts whispering and she's like, oh, no, everyone's looking at me like a murderer. Jughead's trying to be reassuring. This is all going to blow over. We just got to take it nice and slow. And then we hear over in the intercom, will Ethel Muggs and Jughead Jones please come to the principal's office? So they go and they have the drawing that Ethel made from his train car along with the stack of comics that are questionable in their opinion. And do you care to explain, Mr. Jones? Riverdale. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, now Jughead's being framed for murder. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can't be good. Can't be good. So yeah, while it wasn't a ton of action, I feel like it's these very tiny little seeds are being planted. We're going to have to watch out a lot for that on both of our ends. Mm -hmm. And both because of the theories and also just because they're clearly pointing at some little things and mm -hmm. how characters are reacting to stuff. Yeah. So that's going to be where we get our clues as to what's really going on. Yeah. But uh, I think we could safely say that most of the core four have no fucking clue where they're at or what's going on. Core four plus Cheryl. Main five. All right, let's go look at the next time on. Maybe they'll have some clues for us. Ooh. Okay. Um, so there's the potential that Archie and Cheryl are going to get married or did get married. Um 
again, this is definitely an overcorrection on Cheryl's part. Yes. She's pissing off mommy. <laughs> sure. Fair. Valid. And Jughead, someone's going to try to punch Jughead. Someone gets punched near Jughead. I don't think Jughead threw the punch. I don't know. I, it looks like Jughead punches out Julian. I, I, I believe it's Julian who gets the punch, but I, d- I can't tell if it's Jughead who throws the punch based on the trailer. Someone asks, can you dig it? Tony asks that, um, but we don't know to who. That's weird. Yeah. So again, again with the vague promos, but I'm fine with that. It's their final season. Vague promos, but we're escalating rapidly. I'm fine with this. I feel like we can play in the 50s for a while, but honestly, again, we're coming to the end of a series. Yeah. We can't stay here forever. No, and we know that we won't. We just don't really have the best idea of how long we will be staying. Yeah. No, I I totally get that. Which again is fine. The way that the story is like just rapid shifting into gear makes me feel like, okay, at the very least mid-season finale, but maybe way earlier than that. Mm, I feel like mid-season. Well, here's the thing. We say mid-season finale, but currently with the schedule, there is no break. We're going straight through to 22, uh, which is fine and great. But I think that mid-finale point will be... At the very least, that's when they all are going to realize what's happened. Hmm, I don't and then, know. It, then it's a matter of figuring out how to get back. I mean, if we're jumping to Archie and Cheryl getting married. I don't know. I think we might be going faster. I don't know. We'll see. We sure will. All right. Well, until next time, hashtag Go, go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.